Turning your Bibles to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 19. Theo, it's good to see you in the house today. I know you're living over in East Bay. Good to see you. We're talking about today. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Mary Jean is over in Vallejo, and I almost sent her a text this morning at 3.30. I texted some other, texted some other people, but I, I almost sent her a text, and uh, she sent me a text actually about, what, six, six or seven, seven, seven o'clock, whenever it was. They had, they had Highway 37 closed for a, a brief period, I understand. Yeah, but you made it, and I think they opened back up because they got races over there. It was uh, quite a joke this morning. Um, and the house was going, it was like, it was going like this. <laughs> oh, my house, is, was it shaking? You know, you know what you know about the earthquake today? She said, we had a, how many of y'all slept through the earthquake? Lord have mercy. <laughs> All of y'all, I'm praying for y'all. I'm praying for you. It's either, it's either two things. You either got major trust in the Lord or you're living in sin. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think Nelson said, I think I, the people had to call him from, where they call you from? Your family. Where they call you from, Nelson? Where your family call you from? Arizona? People here, are you all right over there, huh? <laughs> Lord have mercy. And it seemed to go on forever. It didn't, it just went on and on. I, my first thought, is that okay? The Lord is coming. I'm ready, Lord. <laughs> It was very, very strong. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today as we read the first 20 verses of Acts chapter 19. For those who can stand, I know some of you are not able to, I understand. If you are able, I would love for you to stand as we read the Word of God. Bow your head with me as we study, as we pray, rather. We thank you today for... Lord, your grace and your glory. And again, for those who have been severely affected by this earthquake, it lets us know that, God, this world is coming to an end. As the Bible talks about earthquakes in divers places, we must know that these are part of the signs of the times. And that when we are in Christ, while we may fear certain things, we don't have to worry about our salvation. We don't have to worry about making it in if we have put our trust in the Almighty God. We pray today that you will help us to hear the word of God, that you will give us a mind to be able to put into practice what you have to say today. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, 
the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord, Jesus, over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas or 50,000 pieces of silver, in some Bible that says. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. May you may be seated. Repeat after me this title, Ephesus, never to be the same. Ephesus, never to be the same. In our present study today, we come to the place where Paul began his third missionary journey. And just as he told the Ephesians that he would return if it was God's will, we find that Paul did indeed go back to Ephesus and stay at least two years. I'll give anybody $100 right now if you can tell me where Paul's ministry um, started or where it actually began, what chapter? Too late. Nobody gets it. You didn't answer quickly enough. Sorry. You had to answer right away. You didn't do it. Don't get the money. (laughs) Got to be quick. Got to be quick. (laughs) Ephesus, never to be the same. The first point that we're going to look at today is expanding the knowledge and the teaching of the 12 disciples in Ephesus. I'm going to repeat that. Expanding the knowledge and the teaching of the 12 disciples in Ephesus. One more time. Expanding the knowledge and the teaching of of the twelve disciples in Ephesus. There are at least two types of ignorance. 
There is an ignorance based on having not yet received the information that one needs to add to what they already know. And there is an ignorance where one refuses to understand or accept what is available to them. In Paul coming to Ephesus, there was something he noted about these 12 disciples. And I found it interesting that it was 12 disciples that Paul came to in Ephesus just like there were 12 apostles or disciples that Christ had called. And when he comes to Ephesus, Paul comes back after having initially on his second missionary journey towards the end, gone through Corinth, came to Ephesus, and if you remember, he had been with Aquila and Priscilla, and, and, and they had come to this place, and the people of Ephesus asked Paul if he would stay. But Paul says, if the Lord will allow me, I will come back, but I need to get to Jerusalem. And we find here, as Paul begins his third missionary journey, that he holds his promise and he comes back to Ephesus. Upon his arriving in Ephesus, we find that he comes to a group of people that have not yet heard about the Holy Spirit, but they are called believers. First, we notice that there were disciples here, as we note in verse 2. In the first century, while people were waiting for the coming of the Messiah, many had not heard anything about the Holy Spirit. When Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they received the Holy Spirit, now this is the original 12 plus those that were in the upper room. He told his disciples, Specifically, wait in Jerusalem until you have been endued or given power from the Holy Spirit. Wait there. Don't leave until you receive this power or receive the Holy Spirit, that is. And then they were to carry out the great commission that the Lord had given them in Matthew 28. But they could not do that until they had the power from God to accomplish the task. I am convinced today that there are many people trying to accomplish work without the Holy Spirit. When the Lord told them to wait, it was not going to be a wait doing nothing as I had preached before, but they were praying and they were, they were spending time in the upper room. They were still, many were in hiding and, and concerned because of the fact that the Savior had died. But they had confidence. They had, had their confidence restored when the Lord had, gone, had, had arisen, had met with them, and had gone back on to glory. But their confidence and their, and their trust and, they, and what God had for them did not fully come until the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. But they prayed and they waited. So when Paul comes to these twelve, he asks them a question. Now evidently he recognized that these men know something, but something seems to be missing. 
Now, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, as I go through this, try to help us to understand that today, I think there is a misapplication when we come to the matter of the Holy Spirit. Today, people are still looking for a separate sign as evidence that one is filled with the Holy Spirit. In the first century, when Jesus had left the earth, there had to be a visible way of them knowing that the Holy Spirit had come into the earth. And the Lord chose to use fire and tongues that laid and came to be upon all of the believers that were in the upper room. There was a direct sign, a direct manifestation. And, and, and so I, I like this example that, that John Butler gives, that there are times when something is given, there is a great impact. I haven't gotten to his point yet, but there's a great impact that, that lets us know that something has started. But the same intensity or the way that it is carried out does not necessarily happen in the same way ongoingly. And he used the analogy of a car. When a person has a manual car, I've driven manuals all my life, a clutch, a stick. When you go through the gears and you get to the fourth gear it used to be, now cars got five, six, and some even seven gears now. But when you get to that last gear, there's no point of continuing to shuffle. To, to go through the clutch and go through the gears once you've reached your cruising speed. Once you've reached that fourth gear, you can just cruise. But, but getting there, it takes effort. You've got to go through the gears carefully so that you can make it to that last one. When the Lord sent the Holy Spirit, there had to be a sign. There had to be a way of them knowing that the Holy Spirit came. And God did it in a most remarkable way. The Holy Spirit came first to those that were the Jewish people in the upper room. Then Philip went to Samaria. And in Samaria, he preached the word. And when the apostles heard that the people were being saved in Samaria, the place where Jewish people would not even walk through, Peter went there. And when he got there, Prayed, and the Holy Spirit came on those that were in Samaria, those that were not even Jewish. And people said, look at here. And Peter got questioned, what you doing going to Samaria? And had to let them know. I believe that's the case. And the third time we find Peter when he goes to Cornelius. In fact, this is when he's questioned. He is up on that upper room praying, and the Lord let down the sheep and said, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, uh-uh-uh, nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the Lord says, don't you call anything unclean that I've cleaned. And the Lord sent him to the house of the centurion, Cornelius. And in that place, when the word of God was preached, the Holy Spirit came on them just as he came on those on the day of Pentecost. So the Lord did remarkable acts to show them the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit wasn't known. They didn't have the New Testament. So God gave manifestations, and God gave, gave the Holy Spirit to people in a most remarkable and dramatic way. When Paul comes to these twelve, they have not yet heard. Now, I want you to understand and get this. When Jesus Christ 
came to this earth, died, and then went back to heaven. And the Holy Spirit came ten days after that time. The era that was ushered in was the work of the Holy Spirit that was pointing people to Jesus. Jesus took his seat at the right hand of the Father. He sat down because what he came to do, he completed it. The Holy Spirit came to listen, empower the people, to fill them, to give them what they needed to carry out what Jesus had been telling them over the three years that he was with them. And they had to have power because if they didn't, because of the persecution, they would have fainted and they would have failed and they would not have done it. It took the work of the Holy Spirit to do it. And because it, the Holy Spirit came in certain areas and people around the world hadn't heard, it's not surprising that these men in Ephesus had not heard that the Holy Spirit had not come. Then what did they believe? They were still accepting and relying upon John's baptism of repentance from sin. Note this. When Jesus left, you don't see the Holy Spirit coming until the Word of God is preached about Jesus Christ. After Jesus leaves the earth, Holy Spirit comes. In order for a person to be filled, they had to hear the Word of the Lord, and it had to point them to Jesus Christ. When they heard the Word of God and Jesus, the Messiah having come, and that they were to put their faith and trust in Him, they received the Holy Spirit. Today, just like that car was mentioned, as John Butler had mentioned, that today the sign of the, of the Holy Spirit coming separately, that was for the first century. Today, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit at that time. There are infillings of the Holy Spirit that we can have daily. You can be filled daily, but when you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to reside within you at that moment. Please get this. It's important. There are people saying today to Christians, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? And I say, well, I think I have. Well, you don't know? Well, I don't know. Well, if you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. You will note that in the cases where the Holy Spirit came, everyone did not speak in tongues. There were times when people spoke in tongues and sometimes when they didn't. At the day of Pentecost, they did. In Samaria, it doesn't show that they did. That was one of the signs. And what was it? It was a language that they had not known where they were proclaiming the word of God where other people oftentimes they understood. At the day of Pentecost, it was in a language that those that were in Pentecost for the festival filled, understood how the people were praising God. Do you not know the primary purpose for the tongue was to honor and to praise God? When Paul came to these men, what baptism, he asked them, did they receive? He said, we received the baptism of John. He said, John was pointing to Jesus. You need to put your faith in the Jesus, the Messiah that you've been learning about because he's already come. And when he did that, I want you to note, 
That's when the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Their ignorance was from a lack of information and that they were still waiting for the coming Messiah. Paul helped them to understand that Christ had indeed come and that their trust must be in him whom John was pointing people to. He placed his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Note the order. When Philip went to Samaria and the apostles heard, they were the ones who came and placed their hands and would often pray and the Holy Spirit would fall. Think about it. Peter, Paul. It's interesting because Paul was not a part of the original 12, but because of his experience on the road to Damascus, he was the one that replaced Judas of Iscariot. He was the one that took the place. He was the apostle. And the Lord is saying, when Paul placed his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them, it was also authenticating that Paul is an apostle. Today, as I say, we must understand that when a person receives Jesus as Savior and Lord, at the same time the Holy Spirit comes to indwell them. Just like the disciple Apollos, he was mighty in words. Think about this. Apollos, the Bible says, was mighty in words. But there was something that even Aquila and Priscilla noted about him. They said that in the synagogue when he was debating and talking, that he was missing something. And they invited him to their home. Remember last week. And it said, they, the Bible says that Aquila and Priscilla explained to him more accurately and gave him more information that he did not have about Jesus. Now, it's interesting that there was an ignorance even regarding Apollos. But it wasn't from a lack of not wanting to learn, because when he received that information from them, it added to the authentic, it added to his power and the authority that he already had. It made him more of a well-rounded person. I got to mention this. I ain't going to give no name. I gave it on Wednesday. I'm talking to a young man. I've told the, the men on Thursday. I'm talking to a young man the other, the other day. And his words to me was that he said that he's okay, but I know that he's not saved. And as we discoursed, we gave scripture, and, and just, just talked and, and asked him a question. And then he asked me, and then we're going back and forth. And I'm just very, just, you know, just even-tempered trying to be, and just relating. He wasn't disrespectful at all. He did apologize because he said, I, I was trying to be a, a kind of sarcastic. I said, I, I, I know you were, but that's okay. <laughs> and then about the end of the conversation, and I'm not going to go through all that we talked about. The Lord placed in my spirit to give him Proverbs 14, 12. And I said, put this in your phone. I want you to, you got a Bible? He said, no. I said, and then we talking about, how can you be okay with God if you don't even have a Bible? <laughs> but I am going to say this one point. We were talking about how do you know if you're right with God? He said, I can just feel it in my heart. I just, my feel. I said, oh, you can't. I did. 
I said, you've been a builder before, haven't you? He said, I've done some building. I said, well, how do you build a building if you want to make sure something's free? I said, these are levels. Then he said, are you saying that the Bible is, is, is like the, is, is the level? <laughs> I said, well, yes. I am. <laughs> he got the point without me even having to say the next point. So I said, I want you to write this. He said, I don't, I don't know how to use these phone texts. And then he got it for, hold on a second. Call this person. Hey, you got, a, you, got, you got a pencil and a piece of paper? Get one. Hurry up. Get one. Get one. Get one. Get one. Write down what you say for Proverbs 14, 12. Yes, 14, 12. Probably got it? All right, good. I'll read it and get home. I left. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So that's what he was going to have to read when he got home. <laughs> that's what the Lord gave me to give him before I left. We have to be willing to give people what they need and not what they want to hear. Today, we've got preachers around the country telling you and me, send me some money and I'll send you a prayer cloth. (laughs) If you double... Your offering, God will send a double blessing to you in this prayer cloth. (laughs) I'm going to pray, they say, over this cloth right now. And send this cloth to you. You only got one cloth. How are you going to send it to hundreds of thousands of people that's going to send you money? But there are people today who are sending people money saying, I got this prayer cloth from this person. Now, I mentioned that before, haven't I? (laughs) I want you to know something as we come to this next point. There is no magic when it comes to the power of God. No magic. God don't, don't associate with occultic practices. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to take certain things, for example, and pray over them. I'll do it as well. But when I try to bribe a person, tell a person that there's healing in this cloth, where the healing is in Christ, Now, no, we're going to look at what Paul did because we need to understand in the context what happened regarding this. Before we get there, let me get to this point of the synagogue. My time was almost gone. I got less than 15 minutes. When Paul, thank you, Mother just said I got all day. Y'all in trouble now. (laughs) When Paul goes to the synagogue to speak to the Jews, to the Jews, The Bible says it was some of them that became obstinate and rejected the word. Do you not know it doesn't take a whole church to make things worse? It just takes a few. The people that were there in the synagogue rejected what Paul had to say after three months. Paul says, okay, first the 12 that had 
been saved or had been uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, that is, he took them and then went to one of the philosophers of that day who had a school named Tyrannus and either rented or just used that building. And what it did, it opened up for Paul the opportunity to preach and to teach every day. It gave him the ability to train this group. And it is so interesting that Paul stayed in Ephesus two years, and some says as even as much as three years, teaching the people. I'm, I, I just marvel at Paul. Paul is one, is one of the greatest teachers of all time. And when you look at what Paul went through and what he stood for and what he was willing to do, the fact that he was willing to put his life on the line, Paul was also willing to say, you know what? That's it. That's it. I am leaving and taking those with me. He says, I can be, the, 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 the preaching and the teaching and what I have about Jesus can be rejected so long, I want to take those that want to go on and move with them over here. It is in Ephesus where we find some of Paul's miracles that are the most unique. It is in two new areas so that, that Paul would distinguish himself so much that, that, that when handkerchiefs and aprons were taken to people, God allowed these things to be taken to the sick and people were healed. Why is that important? What, what was the significance of God using articles of clothing that even demons will be driven out. Remember, and it's always good when you can go back and remember something that was said. Remember that when Paul was journeying and on his missionary trips, there were oftentimes uh, traveling false prophets that would go into these places, and I said they would fleece the people. They would go in and, and try to steal and take what they had and preaching, saying that they're given the word of God. But you note that when Paul went to Corinth, that Paul, the Bible says, because he didn't want to be associated just with them, he wanted to make sure that the word of God was heard. He worked himself. He worked with Aquila and Priscilla as tent makers, and he met his own need. It was uh, the group of the Macedonia that helped to supply his need or the church, the church in Antioch in various places. But when he came to a different er- new area, Paul was very careful because of what was happening. And the Lord gave these miracles, I believe, as one, a sign that what Paul is doing goes far beyond what these false prophets are able to do. It distinguished Paul as a servant of God. When God's anointing is on you, other people will know it. They may like you, they may dislike you. They may accept you, they may not accept you. But when God's anointing is on you, you are a blessed person. Paul's anointing, God's anointing was on the life of Paul. And as a result of this, God so distinguished Paul that he allowed these aprons, he allowed these handkerchiefs, he allowed these articles of clothing to be taken to the sick and they were healed. It was not a precedent being set for today. God will use whatever is necessary at the time to get his word across. And we have to be very careful that when the Lord takes something 
and uses it for a very specific purpose that we don't try to claim everything and say that all applies to me now. We take parts of the Bible and apply it when we see that it benefits us. Things that we don't like, toss it to the side. It was Paul who was willing to be used by the Lord. And let me say this. When you set yourself aside to be used by God, he'll use you for his glory and do things in your life that you didn't even think were possible. Point number two, and I'll be out here, trying to counterfeit the real. Nowhere in Scripture does God sanction playing with evil. You need to understand that right away. Trying to use Jesus' name as a magical tool is dangerous. These seven sons of Sceva, as Jewish young men, should have known better than playing with the occult. It was these sons of Sceva who, who saw the authentic working of the Holy Spirit operating in Paul's life and tried to use a formula by invoking Jesus' name, whom Paul preached, to cast out demons. These men had been using magic and fooling the people and saw this power that came through Paul as a way to make money. Satan is neither a toy nor is he your friend. Note the word spoken by the demon. Know about Jesus. Know about Paul. Uh, but who are you? Now that's a question. Now, I can imagine that the voice that was being used was not the voice of the man himself because the people heard him say it. Now, use your imagination of a demon speaking through a person trying to cast out this demon and they don't have the power of God. A change in your life will be reflected in a change in your behavior. The people who saw what happened, this man, after saying what he did, jumped on those seven, gave them such a thrashing that they ran out of the house bleeding, and, and the word naked means they were scantily clothed when they left. They may have had part of their clothing hanging on them as they ran out of the house. Now, you would have seen, now, 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 get this. He jumped on them and beat them. Extraordinary strength. Beat them, ripped their clothes off of them. You never hear of these boys again. In Scripture, Saying, I adjure you, I command you. Based on what happened, the people saw this. And there was an earthquake in their lives. There was an earthquake in their lives. They said, um, I'm going home. Again, all my books on witchcraft, all my idols of Diana, 
called Artemis as well. All of my occult practices, all of my candles, everything associated that I've been using in this, in my life as part of the occult, I'm bringing it. And I'm going to have a fire. A change in your life will be reflected in your behavior. They brought books, artifacts, burned them, and the Bible says that it was a lot of money. The reason why so many people who say they are believers are struggling in the clutches of Satan is because they are still practicing their magic arts rather than burning them. I'm going to say that again. The reason why so many people who say they are believers are struggling in the clutches of Satan is because they are still practicing their magic arts rather than burning them. It was the talking of this demon through this man and what they observed that caused these people to be greatly feared to fear. When they had an appropriate fear, their demonic devices, devices, regardless of the cost, were burned. I don't care what the value of whatever you might have that's causing you to sin, you need to burn it. These people saw something that they had never seen before. All of the false prophets that had come through, they didn't see this before like what was happening with Paul. And the Lord allowed signs and wonders to happen to authenticate his approval on Paul's life. And there, were, there, were, and there was nobody who could mimic what God was doing. Today, you need to decide, am I going to still play with my magic stuff or am I going to burn it? I am convinced that just like that earthquake today shook and shook me. <laughs> it made me look at something. It made me think. If that earthquake that seemed to never stop rolling just seemed to keep going on and on, could bring a certain fear What are people experiencing who have rejected God and have died and gone into hell already? If, 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 if an earthquake that could last however many seconds it did could bring terror to people, what, what happened? You know, the Lord gave me another point as I closed there would be people who would just turn around after the earthquake stopped and go, oh, well. 
just like Pharaoh, who after the plagues were taken away, hardened his heart. We need to look at the signs of the time and says, Lord, you said these things would happen. What am I doing even when I see this to make sure I'm more in line with the Lord? If you are running scared and says, oh, Lord, I want to make sure I'm right. No, that's not. That's good. But it should be, Lord, thank you that I'm right with you. That no matter what happens, I know who holds me. I used to, I used to, I used to, when the earthquakes came when I was younger, you my, my prayer, it wasn't just, my prayer was, oh God, if I've done anything wrong, forgive me right now. Please forgive me. I ain't kidding. Now I was younger. Going both ways, you know, doing my thing and something happened. Oh God, forgive me before you come. Amen. It freaked me out. But today, while I may be a fear like, oh my goodness. It's not because I don't know the Lord now. That's a good thing. <laughs> I don't have to pray, oh, I need to get it right, Lord. But it makes me take a look at eternity all the more. And that's a good thing when something happens and it makes you reevaluate, where am I? Am I doing that which is pleasing to the Lord? Stand me to my prayer to you today is this. We're going to stand and just have a brief word of prayer, and that is this. Are you playing with artifacts that are of the occult or that's magic? You see, Ephesus was never the same after Paul had left there. While Paul was there, and we're going to see in a couple of weeks, excuse me, the ruckus and the problems that were brought about because of what Paul was doing. See, Paul was bad for business. I'm going to stop it. Paul was not. Christians are not good for business. I was told by the Taurus when I was going around. The, one person, I, I said, he said, I said, hey. And, I said, I, and, and he looked at me, and I, and I just went like this. Like, where you been? No, I just went like this, like, we. And he said, oh, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. <laughs> and as I was leaving, the Taurus told me he was actually trying to hide behind us behind people when he saw you going through the parking lot. That's the thing you used to do with my dad. No, not me. I don't mean no harm. <laughs> people not doing right. That's a good thing. When people, you go through, and people begin to look at their lives, and you bring conviction by your presence, that's a good thing. It's a bad thing. They say, oh, come on and join us. We were just over here drinking and smoking. Here, you can have some too. That's not good. But when they reevaluate, my God, my God, we need to evaluate what we're doing. Ephesus was never the same. Paul took those disciples and taught them, brought many people. And the Lord authenticated what he was doing by the miracles he did. Is there anything in your life right now that you need to burn? I want you to think about it right now. We took some requests not long ago. 
and I burned them in the fireplace. They said, bring your request. Bring something that been, we've been praying for. And then they brought sheets, and I took it home, and I said, and burned it in the fireplace as an offering unto the Lord. What needs to be burned in your life that sin? Think about it. Now the question is this. Are you willing to burn it up no matter what it costs you to make sure that you're doing everything that God has called you to do? Today, right now in this place, Lord, we pray that there will be such a conviction in the hearts of people that it's Christ alone and not stuff, not artifacts, not occultic practices, not magic, not trying to equate Christ with anybody or anything else, not trying to use the name of somebody else to cast out demons. No, sin, Lord, it's you that I serve and you only. We pray today, Lord, that when we say we're going to stand for that which is honoring to the Lord because the Lord has given us his Holy Spirit to the overcomers. Overcomers. The fact that the Bible says, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. We've got the great Christ, the Holy Spirit, living within us. Nothing that you can't do with Christ living inside. My God, my God, may we stop giving Satan so much credit for the power he does not have over those that belong to you. Today we pray that as we leave this place, that we quickly burn anything that is displeasing, that causes sin in our lives. And that we will run on with Christ and serve you with integrity, with purpose. My God, and with resolve, we give you glory in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.